This is one of your hosts, Brett. And this is your other host, Matt. We went in reverse order this time. Yeah, because we f- we're flip mode squad. Yeah. We flipped it up. Uh, we are the squid odd. <laughs> Matt and Brett Love Comics is the show where we take comics and talk comics with comics. Uh, today is no exception. We have a very special guest joining us on the show. A uh, very funny gentleman. He is a comedian, uh, stand-up comedian, actor, author of the new book, Crap Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, as if we have... An audience. An audience in the room with us. 50 people in my tiny queen's apartment. Yeah. Uh, DC Pearson is with us today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you? Pretty good. I'm just trying to modulate my voice, because when I do uh, Skype-based podcasts, again, sorry to shatter the illusion, but I'm I'm in uh, L.A. (laughs) Oh, no, no. We're not. Yeah. We're not just in, like, a... Uh, well-appointed drawing room all sitting around like an old-fashioned radio microphone. Yeah, we all Uh, have a snifter of brandy that we're sharing. No, yeah, not not the case. Uh, When I I do Skype uh, podcasts, because when you you plug in like your headphones or whatever, you can't uh, hear your voice, I guess, which makes sense because you don't want like feedback. Yeah. But then uh, if I don't hear myself in uh, in the cans, as they say, in the industry... (laughs) <laughs> then I have a tendency to like be like too loud and then blow my voice out. So I'm I'm trying to uh, to keep it modulated or modular. And if anyone else knows uh, or uh, how to be able to hear yourself by plugging in headphones on a Skype uh, podcast, then they should uh, let me know. Someone needs to make Skype monitors. Yeah, oh, okay. and then that way I could be like, can I get a little more me in the monitor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, turn up, turn my headphones up. <laughs> less Brett, a lot less Matt. Yeah, yeah way less Matt. <laughs> awesome. Well, you're you're having a, a pretty big 2013, I would say, so far. I would sure. say that. Okay, I'm going to take it. That. I, I, I'm making the stand. You're having a big 2013, whether you like it or not. Yeah. So okay. congratulations, Thanks. whether you like it or not. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. So uh, you you have the new book out. Um, and uh, you had a lot of really creative and, and really great marketing leading up to it as well. Um, you had a you had a great stand up special that you gave out for free. Um, uh, sure. Sure. Yes. 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 I'll take it. <laughs> You'll take it. Uh, no, it was great. Uh, and and also for anybody that pre ordered the book, you uh, you rapped about them. Yes, on I don't know. Sorry, I don't know if you if you are are, are, are prompting me to, to to fill in these blanks or whatever. I I just did a uh, a radio interview uh, this last week when I was in Oklahoma doing stand up, where the guy that was interviewing me, really nice guy, but he kept he would just like he would be like, so you have done this, and I'd be like, yes, and he'd be like, and this, and I'd be like, yeah. and this, and like there was never. It was like a cadence that would imply that there was about to be a question, but then there never would be. So I just ended up being like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just ended up being like, I don't know, like the the, the, the Supremes, his Diana Ross. Diana oh, Diana. sure. Like, mm, tell him, girl. <laughs> Tonight you were Diana that. Ross, though. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I was, a, I was a Supreme. Tonight you are. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate it. Congratulations, whether you <laughs> like it or not, That's Diana. why I do podcasts, because yeah. it's the closest that a guy can come to, to being Diana Ross in this modern era. Uh, but no, uh, you you but, are... But, yeah, sorry, sorry, Matt, go ahead. No, that's okay. Uh, all of that is sort of the lead-up to, I mean, even even when you were in New York before you moved to L.A., you're a very DIY guy. You're a guy that uh, that 
you want to do something, you go out and uh, you figure out how to do it yourself. Um, what? Where does that? Where does that sort of come from for you? Uh, oh, what a what a great question, um, and and very complimentary. I I I guess I don't know where that comes from. I mean, I I you know am a sort of um, a big fan of like you know kind of eighties late seventies you know eighties like punk uh stuff and 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 that sort of like i guess you know ethos and uh um i read the uh the book our band could be your life our band could be your life yeah yeah, great book um and then there's another book and i'm trying to remember uh I, i maybe it's maybe it is our band could be your life maybe not but like in um uh you know in 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 the Minutemen and and stuff like that like i don't even actually i i don't it's kind of, I guess, uh, blasphemy. I don't like the Minutemen musically that much. They're not my favorite thing. Like I appreciate them, but I, I kind of feel like I just, I just got them at the wrong, you know, in the wrong time period. Maybe if I had been around when it was happening, um, I would have liked it more, but, oh, but sure. definitely their, their sort of whole like ethic of, um, you know, uh, jamming a condo as they put it. Um, and, uh, and also too, like lots of, lots of alternative bands and, 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 and punk bands in, in England and America in the seventies and eighties where the, you know, the, 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 the ethic was like, go in and, and you can do things yourself and like sort of demystifying the process for, for other people, uh, I think is, and now it's just so inexcusable to not do anything that you want to do uh, if, artistically, if you want to do it, because you know the medium media are so uh, uh, wide open. If that yeah. makes any sense. Like it's there's so many just really amazing tools to to do stuff really easily that um, there the barrier to entry is so low. You know, all you have to do is go on Kickstarter and have Ben and Scrubs and raise two million dollars, and then yeah. you know, gates the floodgates are open. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know why I, oh, I looped around to a weird shot at Zach Braff there at the end of that but um, he's looking at you he's looking at you right. through binoculars from the street where you are right now yeah. just yeah, shaking he spent his head most of that two million dollars on a really tricked out surveillance van yeah <laughs> but it's a really nice van guys super nice yeah um, but yeah I mean I think that um, uh, I, I, I guess I when I read you know books like our band could be your life and, and stuff like that like and you would read about scenes like that and, and where people would do that sort of stuff it just got me really, really excited. And, and you know, listening to like uh, uh, Henry Rollins, speaking of van, like, oh, uh, yeah, get in the like van, get in the van. Uh, if you've never if you've read it, you've never heard the audiobook. Definitely do yourself a favor and get the audiobook because it's really great. He reads it and he's super intense. Um, and it's cool because it's like current Henry Rollins, like older Henry Rollins reading the words of like a 19 year old, much angrier, uh, Henry Rollins. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, the, the, that stuff always made me really, really jealous that I, I wasn't living in that whatever particular time period, you know, that kind of stuff was going on. And so I always wanted to do stuff like that in, in comedy. And so my, my instinct is almost always to, to do stuff like that. I, I think I would maybe have a more, materially comfortable existence if my instinct was like i have an idea let me go get in a room where 
me and the Sierra Mist people can figure out how to make my idea into an ad for Sierra Mist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm not even saying like, and that's, and that's lame. I just don't, that's just not my, yeah. my include. That's just not where my first thought is. My first thought is like, how can I, how can I do that? I mean, and that's still a problem, like not, not a problem per se, but like, uh, you know, I, I appear on a lot of podcasts, but I don't, I don't have a podcast. And the reason that I don't have one is because when I do one, like, I want to like, I want to do it, you know, I want it to be like different than, than everyone else's. And, yeah. and that would yeah. require a lot of like a lot of work. You know what I mean? I, I just, every time I imagine doing a podcast, I just immediately imagine myself like, uh, the guy that did the sound effects for the original star Wars, like with a, uh, a portable tape recorder out, like <laughs> plucking at, um, at power lines yeah. out in a field somewhere to try to get like a particular sound for like uh, a lightsaber. So it just seems like uh, <laughs> like a lot of work that I I, I, I haven't uh, I haven't gone and undertaken yet because I think the, the most, for most people when you're it's like I'm going to start a podcast it's like okay then we'll get a guy and then we'll get some microphones and then uh, and then it'll be great and and for me it's like I don't know I just imagine like well I'm going to have to go to uh, uh, Tibet and train under under <laughs> someone like uh, like Batman. You got to climb yeah. the mountain. Yep. Yeah. You have to be a podcast ninja. Get out yep. of the pit. Climb uh, out of the pit. Yeah. And your final your final <laughs> challenge is you have to murder a Ron doing podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, if you pass that test, then congratulations. <laughs> but you have plenty of stuff going on. Already, like you don't, you probably don't need to add podcasts to your plate. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I, I already, I already do a lot of them, and I, I know, you know, I like, I just did um, a show with, I, I was a guest on Doug Benson's podcast, Doug Loves Movies, yeah. uh, uh, in San Francisco a couple weeks ago, and it was really fun. And afterwards, a lot of people came up to me because they were like, "Oh, I heard you on this podcast, and I heard you on this podcast," and like people that listen to podcasts. This is uh, apparently a challenge to see how many times I can say podcast during a podcast. <laughs> Um, but they, they, they're really super passionate about them. And I, I, I do feel like it, it just, just in terms of like pure, this is going to sound like weird Cronen and, and Cronenbergian almost, but like in terms of pure, like penetration of, of people's headspace. Oh yeah. Like it's really nothing like it. Like, it's an I, incredibly I, I intimate form as, a, as an avid podcast consumer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it's, I mean, you're literally, most people are interacting with podcasts through earbuds, and it's incredibly intimate. Like, it's directly channeling into your brain. Exactly. Uh, long live the new pod. Yeah. It's probably, okay, this is a metaphor I'm going to come up with right now. It's probably more like yes. having an imaginary friend than a real friend. Like, with television, in the olden days, you had to be at home in time to watch that. You you kind of lived your life at the whims of TV schedules, whereas podcasts... Right are a thing that you control. Like, you download them, you choose when you listen to them, and you put them into your ears. It's like, you control their existence in a way. They're more like an imaginary sure. friend that you're like, you know what, I need, right. the, I need my imaginary friends. I'm going to listen to a podcast. And, and, and they can really, uh, you know, accompany you through every different part of your day, and you sort of, you sort of choose what part of your existence pairs with oh, listening to yeah. Yeah. podcasts. Where did we start? I didn't know it was this serious. <laughs> oh, jeez. 64 episodes in, and I'm like, I don't know. This might be too much for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Better be careful. The podcast stopper are going to come in and oh, kick the door down. Nice. And... Oh. Um, uh, but, but, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to ask uh, to tiptoe into the, um, the topic of the show today. Uh, I was going to ask what your history with um, comic books are, is. 
Um, I, I would say sort of a, a, a long one, but one that is kind of uh, uh, pockmarked with long periods of not reading comics. Yeah. Like, I, I, I got really into comics when, when I was a kid, um, and I was just realizing this the other week, but a really big part of my early comic book consumership was... Uh, they had these, at, 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 like, uh, at the time it wasn't Costco, at the time it was called Price Club, but it's essentially Costco. Um, uh-huh. They had these giant packs of, like, com- comic, like, combo packs where yeah. it would basically be, like, 12 comic books for what I had to imagine was, was really cheap, probably, like, six bucks or something yep. like that. Um, and they were really awesome as a kid because when, when you're a kid, you, like, you just want to, I mean, I actually, I was about to say when you're a kid and then the more I'm... Um, uh, thinking about it, the more it just sounds like everyone in America. But you really, you really want to have a lot of stuff right away. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. Like if you gave a kid an option of like, do you want to have one comic book that you really want, or twelve that you have no idea what they are and they're from totally random points yeah. in this continuity or whatever? Well, first of all, a kid would be like, what's continuity? And second of all, it would you would be like, yeah, the twelve because you want to have more. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yep. Like right yeah. away. Um, so, yeah, my parents would get those for me sometimes when we went to uh, Price Club, and they were uh, pretty awesome, except you, except for just like anything else, like like songs on a CD or whatever. A lot of times what would happen is there would be two in there. They'd be like, oh, these feature either feature characters I care about or they're actually enticing to me yeah. in some way. And then other times you would just be like, I don't care about, like, I don't know, Namor. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys do care about him. Uh, not to give offense, but at the time you're just like, I don't. What? No. Yeah. I mean, um, in the early nineties, there's but... certain ones that you don't react against or don't have characters yeah. that you recognize. But then other times it's like, oh, Batman and Spider Man and stuff, or, or or you know, or Justice League or something like. Yeah, that like, was. I know what these are, or sometimes be like, oh, Justice League Europe. I, I don't care. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I would always get obsessed with those uh, and get the uh, the X Men ones. Like I would always, because you could usually see four of them. Yeah, uh, right. And then if you pushed a couple back, you could see like a couple more that yeah. were in the stack. So I would always yeah. try and like find the one that had the most X Men or GI Joe. Sure, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 then so I think I think that was maybe kind of the 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 introduction. Um, but then I also got I think for my birthday one year I got like a because I really liked Spider-Man, I got, like, a subscription to Amazing Spider-Man. So that was really cool because then the comic actually shows up in the mail every month, and it's, like, something that you can <clears throat> look forward to. And it was really cool, and it's, like... And, and, and then the real blessing of that is that you can actually follow the storyline. You don't have to just hope that yeah. one comic randomly shows up that you've been waiting for in the next, whatever, combo pack it is that you are going <laughs> to yeah. happen to get Price Club. Um and now, especially given, you know, given all of the the electronic tools there are for keeping track of, like, continuity and stuff and, like, making sure you've read all of the of this of the issues of a given, like, arc or or or, or book, like, it just sounds like a nightmare. You know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> wait and see which, you know, like, oh, I hope I read the right one in in. 
you know, and, and uh, it, it, at any rate. It's an, um, continuities are like a crazily daunting task for someone that would want to like jump in full fledged to like superhero stories, especially. It is, it is. And I, I mean, and I, well, I guess to, to kind of com- complete the, the story of my, of my comic book readership, um, I, so I was re- really into Spider-Man. He was like my main guy. So yeah, so there was this one issue of Spider-Man that I would always revisit that where he teamed up with Punisher, and it was just a lot of like Spider-Man jumping in and around Punisher's flying bullets as they, you know, <laughs> yeah. you in the head, and yeah. uh, and and Spider-Man being like violence is bad, and Punisher's being like ah violence is great, um, <laughs> and and so that was that was one that I I really uh, dog-eared because I would just read it over and over again, but. Um, <laughs> That's a great I, description of their team-up, too. Like, Punisher right. shoots people, and Spider-Man jumps around his flying bullets. Yeah. yeah, and, like, punches people. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and if I'm those criminals, I'm really hoping I'm getting punched instead of... <laughs> yeah. My yeah. Off play the odds, play the odds. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I would a- actively move towards Spider-Man and just, like, be like... And, and just... Headbutt. Yeah. <laughs> And get myself knocked out um but uh but yeah so then i i would say like phase one of me being a, a comics reader kind of came to an end with, with which i i uh i think it did for a lot of people i know that uh the stand-up mike lawrence i was listening to his, him on uh wtf and he mentioned this as a point where he jumped off of reading comics for several years which was when um spider-man was or peter parker was revealed to be a, a clone yes uh, which was in like the I want to say like the early maybe mid nineties ninety four ninety I'm sorry ninety four ninety five gotcha I, I I remember because that was a oh that was a time yeah oh, that was a time. so it was just so disillusioning because you're like all of this you're invested in and 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 also too if I if I'm unless I'm mistaken whatever moment or transaction that they were referring back to was like this is the time when spider it, he was a clone, you know, this is the yep. time when he became, a, he's been a clone since it's like, it was like in the fucking eighties, like, or something like yeah. 75. It was like oh, so, tw- oh, really? 20 oh, wow. years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like not something that you could remotely care, have cared about if you yeah. were a kid. Yep. Um, and, uh, uh, or even just a young person, you know, like it wasn't something that you would have been around for or remembered. So you're, Basically, any person with any remote investment in, you know, the past, like, 20 years of this story, you're telling them, like, no, nah, it was all invalid, sort of. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yep. just the sake of this, like, great big rug pull. And I, I remember Mike talking about it, and I, I remember this as well, like, because it was around the time of, like, Superman, sup- this sort of Superman is dead uh, yeah. era. Yep. Um, which I which I followed really intensely in the whole like saga of you know like four different supermen and 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 and, <laughs> and you yep. know all that stuff and like followed that pretty in- intently and like enjoyed that I think even though I think it's considered to be a pretty artistically uh, bankrupt endeavor these days I don't know if that's if that's true or not like I'm still not huge hugely tapped into the 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 mass of opinions about comics but um and like in like spider-man or uh, not spider-man batman and the bane saga and, and all that stuff like all these big like superhero killing or crippling events <laughs> that were like selling lots of issues yeah but that one in particular just seemed like the most um craven and 
really damaging because you can say that Superman gets killed by Doomsday, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't Superman. It's yeah, not it's invalidating Superman. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like, so, it's, yeah, sorry. sorry it's well, it's not even. It, it's like uh, it's not just everything you read was a lie. It's also like everything you ever purchased was a lie. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, and and so just really, really uh, uh, a bummer. And so I just stopped reading comics pretty much after that point. And uh, I, I didn't really get back into it until, like, a lot of people, like, I read, um, you know, Watchmen and, and uh, Preacher and sort of those, uh, oh, yeah. and, like, started reading Why the Last Man. Like, kind of, uh, kind of the, I think, canon of the mid-twenties white liberal arts educated comics <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean? like, yeah. Like, it was funny, I was talking about comics... I, I had tweeted something about reading comics uh, a couple weeks ago on Twitter. And some dude was literally like at, at replied me on Twitter was like, Oh, you should read uh, preacher and why the last man. And uh, what was the other one? Watchmen. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just totally yeah. the, like the almost um, they're like, it's like telling someone to listen to the first chins album. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like yes. and, 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 all those, yeah. all the, by the way, all of those comics are amazing. Like yeah. I, I love preachers. Like one of my favorite things, like reading preacher uh, in the course of a week. Cause my roommate had all of the, the trades oh. uh, was, is like, it's one of my happiest ever reading experiences, you know, yeah. it was really great. I, that's not to take anything away from, from any of those three books. I mean, I don't think I got in as into, um, why, uh, as much as I did the other two, but, um, but does that make sense? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, there's a reason there, you know, that's the reason why everyone recommends them is because they're great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so jumping into uh, today's reading material. Speaking uh, of why the last man. Yeah. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn took a break from comics after wrapping up why the last man and ex machina. Like he took about four years away, four or five a, years away. It was a couple years. Yeah. To go like write for a lost a little while. Um, and then he came back last year with saga with the artist Fiona Staples, um, image comics creator owned jam. Uh, yeah. It's a, a Brian K. Vaughn joint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it. a BKVJ. Um, and this comic kind of cuts through a lot of the stuff that was so off-putting to people in the early 90s. Like, it starts here. Like, this is a fresh start. This is a yeah. whole world. Uh, just this one comic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not, you know, 50 comics with all this other stuff. Um, right. Had, had you read Saga before DC? Um, I had not. I had heard about it, and I, 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 I remember uh, a couple months ago picking it up in a, in a bookstore and kind of, like, looking at it and being like, oh... Maybe someday, and then not really um, <laughs> diving into it at that point. It's funny, actually. I've just been really. I feel like my most recent because I had like so after the the whole preacher uh, Watchmen like that kind of uh, dive into comics. I and, and and then I moved out to L.A. I um, I read I guess you know uh, New Frontier by by Darwin Cook, which is this really great. Um, DC kind of like Silver Age. Have yes. You yes. Yes, I have the really uh, absolute edition um, of that. So I read cool. that, and then that was the first thing that motivated me to want to get back into comics. Um, and then I had kind of what you're describing, where you sort of jump in at a point that somebody has told you is like a good point to jump off of for for people that have been away from comics for a while, and it didn't really take fully at that point. Um, I think partially <laughs> because the whole like 
knowing when new issues of things come out and when you know what I mean like yeah. is all is all is all very very daunting I think to people that aren't in the habit of keeping up with that that kind of stuff I've definitely found that Twitter has helped a lot like the ability to follow um you know writers and artists and have them mention yeah. when new things are coming out is actually a really helpful tool for knowing when to go look for things or yeah. you know what I mean does that make sense oh yeah oh yeah or, or just order them online or whatever. Um, but then the thing that's most recently made me really super duper excited about comics is I, I started reading um, on the recommendation of this guy, Matt Robinson, who is the co-host of a podcast out here in L.A. called Get Up on This, uh, the, the other the host of it being uh, Jensen Karp. He talked about on, his, on an episode uh, of that show the, the whole Grant Morrison run of, of Batman. Yeah. yeah. The sort of mid-2000s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he had just like this complete list of everything in it and the way he described it which was just like it's like super ambitious it uses all this like really old like forgotten stuff from like 60s batman comics which is kind of this like totally neglected uh discarded period of batman continuity like all the ways that he was describing it made it sound a really really different from the christopher nolan kind of batman uh take which was really appealing to me because i really didn't like the dark knight rises very much at all and uh, it just made it sound really kind of ambitious and crazy and cool. And a lot of for a lot of it, he was like, "Listen, this part of it makes no sense. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you you, you don't like it." And uh, so I just started compulsively buying all of these these trades of 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 that run on on Amazon and just like read like half of it in a, in a week. So I'm just only now on. Um, Batman and Robin, uh, volume one, I think is where I'm sort of poised to jump back into it. But so that's got oh, me yeah. really super duper excited and I've been buying tons of comics in the, just in the past couple months. But, um, but yeah, I, I, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with my comic readership these days. And, uh, and so this was neat to read because it's kind of the opposite of final crisis, which is the <laughs> book that I just read. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, Very different. Yeah. Where it's sort of like, part of the appealing thing is you can tell that this guy really knows his DC universe inside and out and is doing all of these really interesting things with it. But it also just made me wish that I'd been, you know, reading these books all these years so that like certain arcs with certain characters would have more of an, more of an effect on me, you know, than than they did. And so this was exactly what you're saying. Like this was really cool to read this and have it be just the beginning of like, its own self-contained storyline and to be sort of starting it with everyone else, you know? Yeah. And we jump in, you jump into the story like with both feet too. Like immediately you can tell this is like a really fully realized universe. Like Vaughn definitely has an idea of where he wants to go with this and who shows up where just basically by the diversity of characters that you meet in the first 10 pages. Yeah. Because you meet the wing people, the horn people, and the robot head people. And it's yeah. Like, oh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot world. happening. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it, it honestly reminded me um, of it, it, it. And I know that, you know, there it, it there's a lot of sort of literal parallels to, and, and I feel like even direct uh, homage to, to the original Star Wars. But oh, I really absolutely. did feel like the first issue just couldn't it, it felt like nothing to me so much as you know the first half hour of a new hope yeah uh you know where you sort of meet all of these different people sort of in the middle of this 
crisis, but you also know that you're, it's implying this whole much bigger world. And it's like, it's, it just is a, it, it has what I think a lot of, of stories, be they, be they comics or particularly movies or TV shows try to have now because they, they want that sweet, sweet game of Thrones money. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Where they try to, ha- or that sweet, sweet, you know, anything, um, uh, Twilight money, Harry Potter money, any of it, where they try to have that feeling of like, this is the beginning of a great, uh, franchise that you'll hopefully spend, uh, $20 a summer on for the next, uh, seven years. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it actually had that feeling of like, this is this great for lack of a, uh, <laughs> better word, uh, saga starting. Yeah. Here. yeah. And, and it really had that sort of breathless, uh, feeling to it. That, you know, that I was totally taken in. Yeah. What I liked too is like, Brian Vaughn's very much a writer that let, that respects his readers and he'll throw you in in the in the sense of like don't worry you'll catch up whereas like i think a lot of times with those franchises what they wind up doing is like there's a lot of stop and start where people have to stop and explain someone's deal or totally. you know like speak down to an audience enough till it's like now does everyone get it okay right let's move forward and you know by page by page 11 or 12 we're in the middle of a firefight over a baby that's narrating a story that we've just entered <laughs> yeah yeah, there's a lot thrown up at the top. I also like um, that on page, I mean, well, first of all, like the very first line of the of the uh, entire book is, am I shitting? It feels like I'm shitting. <laughs> Which yeah. is kind of like a, uh, a, a um, okay, readers, like, this is it. Like, this is the kind of story we're getting. Like, I'm not pulling any punches. Yeah. We're go- I'm going to, like, on page one, two, three, on page four, we're going to see a bloody baby being held out and on page five but also that, that first moment is very is very disarming and humanizing yeah. oh yeah like you're you're you pick up this thing called saga and so it, it i feel like it's a way it's like the literal opposite of the opening crawl of episode uh episode one. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely so it's like I mean? the like, most intimate not, you can be um it's it's it it really is uh it, it kind of brings you into the kind of very... Because the thing that I, I... One of the things that I really liked about this book, which I uh, have to be honest, I read the entirety of in the hour and a half before we started the show. Um, Great. Keep it fresh. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, was the, uh, I, I, the... The kind of looseness and playfulness of it. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of things that have... Just as many things that are trying to have the sort of... Um, gravitas of like a great uh science fiction or fantasy saga there are just as many that are trying to have kind of a tossed off cool modernness uh, yeah you know what i mean where it's just like they talk like how you talk bros yeah. um, <laughs> it just sounds like a cop trying to infiltrate a, a ring of 14 uh, year old uh, dope smokers yeah. oh yeah yeah the um, jump street paradigm actually <laughs> it has that exactly what you said brett without being condescending yeah you know? or uh, maybe maybe you said it matt sorry um do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, because you also find out, like, halfway through issue one, one of the uh, one of the wing people or whatever, like, is, like, downloading an app to his phone. And it's like, he's just having, like, basically, like, an iPhone problem. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could view that as, like, okay, come on. Literally, they can't have iPhones in space. But it's just like, you know, shut up, idiot. Like, yeah, yeah. This is, ju- it's a story. Like, just fucking go with it. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like, instead of inventing, like, they're using Glar flap phones that are interstellar, blah, 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 blah. They just sure. use the word that we know. Yeah. Just to, like, right. cut through the bullshit and just, like, shorthand, 
to put it in context that we can understand and really like latch onto and relate to. Well, you well, know, it feels kind of almost like if if, if you if Star Wars were just Han Solos, like if yeah. everyone yeah. were Han Solo, yeah. If that makes any sense, yeah. because <laughs> one of the great functions of of Han, the the, the, the um. And, and other smarter people than myself have, have noted this in, in various ways. And, and but like that you miss in the in the prequel trilogy, like his his really amazing function was sort of humanizing and, and straight manning that entire yeah. kind of through through you know Clone Wars. Ah, your father was a great warrior. You yeah. know whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's why you know Empire Strikes Back is kind of the Han Solo of the original uh, trilogy. To have a totally mixed metaphor, um, is because it's way more kind of down and dirty. Uh, it, it, it you know kind of dark, but kind of just very like uh, more almost just more straightforward human uh, drama. Um, and and that's every character in this is kind of. Um, they, they, they remind you of you a lot. They're just like dodging phone calls from people and, you know, they're just yep. like getting gigs basically. Yeah. Um, and, and the people at the center of the story who are, the, you know, this, uh, this couple who I guess we should say maybe for people that haven't, oh, yeah. haven't read the book yet are, are on either side are, are, are each a member of, of either side of the, this like interspecies uh, interplanetary war uh, between yeah. this one planet uh, landfall and its moon that has like totally engulfed uh, the, pretty much the entire galaxy because these planets have outsourced their wars to to just you know every Everywhere. planet uh, and the rest of uh, and the rest of the galaxy which is um, a really fascinating and, and, concept sorry, yeah it's a really fascinating concept too that uh, you know because like how do you justify creating a war across galaxies? And allowing it to continue to span out that way and, like, just outsourcing it is, I, I don't know, it's just like a simple solution to uh, what would otherwise be a very compound storytelling problem. Yeah, yeah, t- uh, uh, totally. And and it all feels very, you know, I, I think not to keep coming back to the to the what's flawed about uh, the Star Wars prequels, but it, it's sort of an interesting counterpoint to, <laughs> yeah. to, to this book. Um you know, they wanted, uh, you know, a big, in a big almost failing of the those movies is the focus on, like, commerce and trade as this engine yeah. of, of, yeah. of story. And we're supposed to really give a shit about, like, sanctions and shit like yep. that. And what this book, uh, it's very, it uses the fact of just kind of, like, greed and endless war as this sort of very um, crass engine that would drive you know war to be like a complete engulfing intergalactic force even if it was just between two planets in a very believable way yeah like you you have people that you know like um like the the fucking weirdo gross uh pimp dude in uh on sextillion who's like whoring out uh six-year-olds yeah um uh, by the way uh listeners he's he's a he's not a hero he's He's not a hero Um, uh he you know he, he talks about like how people flood in after one of these planets declares for you know after the planets have been sort of stripped bare by by war you can like come in and actually make some money and and just right there i feel like you understand the entirety uh and enormity of this conflict just in very simple human greed terms of uh greed and it's not boring it totally makes sense it's just like they're they're like you like they 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 want 
money, you know, I yeah. don't know it, it, as opposed to uh, a huge delegation full of, full of aliens yeah. uh, that uh, are talking about sanctions. You know, and that's the thing, too, is like, uh, and, and I think this is uh, an old note that um, Becky Drysdale gave an improv class I had years ago, specifically talking about, like, um, creating characters. Like, it's important to have relatable characters in any type of high fantasy story, uh, the idea of, uh, like, like cruise ship, spaceship, pirate ship, uh, the details shouldn't matter as long as the characters are relatable. Mm-hmm. Like, you should be able to put two types of characters in any of those three environments and know how they're going to behave or react, or at least be able to relate to them, because it doesn't matter if they have, like, a, a Garflex device that they're talking into. If they're not acting, and, you know, going back to the whole prequels thing, like... When the when one of the biggest characters is commerce, there's no humanity in that, and there's <laughs> yeah, nothing for totally. like people to kind of <clears throat> latch into. And we have a really great relationship between yeah. uh, Mar- uh, Marco and Alana. Are really, they're a great couple, um, and they're they're a very they're a very fleshed out couple. By the end of the first issue, I mean the first issue ends with the two of them like kissing. Uh, it's kind of one of the only times I feel like a lot of fiction tells you, hey, you need to like these two together. Like, yeah. right. you need to root for these two to be together because that's what the story's about. Just get over it. You all have to <clears throat> want Ross and Rachel to get together. Right. Yeah. Well, right. And all, even more so than that, I, 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 like, you know, like in Twilight or, or stuff like Twilight, it's like, oh, their eyes met and then they fell deeply, hopelessly in love. And now every time they're around each other, all they can do is be like, I'm in love with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> that's how 13 uh, year old girls uh understand it that's how it seems like it would be to them so so of course that's what they would want to see reflected in uh in in fiction but um but what this has going for it i think is they're like this deeply flawed couple who are kind of figuring out their relationship a through as it's being forced through the crucible of, of just having had this kid but then also through the crucible of like being on the run from uh their respective um you know uh, uh societies that are like coming after them yeah. to to kill them and then take their child because if it were you know it, it, basically their their existence and their child's existence presents a threat to the uh to the status quo um, yeah. and all of that, like you, you feel like you could see that in a, in a lesser work of, of speculative fiction and it would just be them, you know, a very Hayden Christensen type dude <laughs> and a very, you know, not, not to throw shade at Natalie Portman, not even Natalie Portman, but like, Megan Fox. and Megan they would, Fox? and they would just sit there and sigh and be in love and yeah. then, you know, be like innkeeper, take us in. We're in love, you know, yeah. it's, not, yeah. and it's you... not that at all. They're, they're grownups and they're flawed and they're. You know they're they're still figuring each other out and yeah. and, and, and and through through all of these uh, events, which is pretty neat and real. That's one of the cool things. Um, I think it was you four. So after um, the a, a bounty hunter, a freelancer, which is called the freelancer, called yeah. the stalk, uh, finds them on Cleave, which is the world they live. Where the the world that they the story takes place. By the on. way, uh, the stalk, the design, the character design, and the stalk horrifying. Yeah, I yeah, I'm like, not a spider guy. I love Spider Man. Not a spider yeah. guy, and this was that was an uncomfortable page reveal for me. She catches up to them, and she like stabs Marco through with her tongue, basically like nearly killing him. And and like she gets chased away, but the only way that they can save 
uh, Marco is by like getting to a place that has snow so that they can make a spell. When you just explain the plot really quick like this, it sounds insane. But yeah. um, <laughs> what, when he's out, he says, uh, like, I've always loved you, Gwendolyn. And you are like, oh, wait, who the fuck is Gwendolyn? Like, that was his ex-girlfriend that he never told Alana about. And I like that they throw those problems in there, and they're not easily overcome. Like, she has a real reaction that isn't... I feel like other series, like lesser series, when Marco wakes up, Alana would be like, oh, nothing. You said nothing when you were asleep. And they would just let that burn for a long time. Yeah. But, like, the first thing she says is, like, who is Gwendolyn? And not yeah. so much, like, mad, but just, like, I want to get information. Whereas, yeah, like, that, you watch six seasons right, of Lost, and, I, and it's no one, ta- no one talking to each other about anything. It's <laughs> interesting that you mentioned that he, he took such a long break from comics. I didn't really know that. I mean, I know that he wrote for Lost, God bless him. Um, but uh, I, I, I feel like exactly what you're describing is, is, is I'm sort of, I guess, reading as a, like, uh, a symptom of just being a real veteran storyteller. Yeah. I feel like the temptation of, of younger uh, storytellers in whatever form they might be storytelling in is to like set things up and tease things and, you know, like yeah. all, all yeah. that kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, because they think that's how you're supposed to do it. Cause they know that when they've seen other people do that, it's, it's affected them. And he's just completely cutting all the bullshit. And, like, when we bring something up, like, we're going to deal with it. And I'm going to pay it off right then. And then it's going to be on to the next thing. And that thing's going to be interesting as well. But also, yeah. we're, we're, we're not, it's not like we're moving past that initial thing. It's like we're just dealing with it. And then whatever the resolution of that is adds to the cumulative power of, of, the, of the story, so to speak. Yeah, because yeah, if you if you deal with something immediately, it allows you to. I mean, storytelling wise, it allows you the opportunity to build to something even bigger. Whereas, like, you keep something on the back burner too long, and it's either like you're going to have other events happen around it that may wind up being bigger and deflating the final reveal, or you know, it it, it just kind of stops forward momentum in a way. Right. You're yeah. just like, well, what about that? Yeah. And it's also, it also makes the characters much more relatable. Like, the fact that Alana is concerned about who is Gwendolyn. Like, that's what a reader is concerned about. So it almost, it makes you, um, I don't know, it puts you in their shoes more. It's like, yeah, yeah, she's saying what I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. She also has the coolest weapon to me so far in the book, which is the Heartbreaker. Yeah. Uh, which is a gun that will shoot you, but it shoots you and literally makes you feel like your heart is broken. Yeah. Um, like, she shoots it with Marco. He mentions being shot by it and saying it felt like the day that his dog died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just sad. It's really yeah. sad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also, we were introduced to uh, a ghost character at the end of issue, um, I think, two, Isabel. Yeah. Uh, who I love. Yeah, Isabel's great. Yeah. Uh, and that's another one of those like interesting world-building things where when you think about the concept of the character is like, Natives of her planet, when they die, they become ghosts, which are then like the um, like enforcement, the natural enforcement of the planet. Yeah. Like, because they can like project uh, traumatic events into people's brains and like use like tele- tele- telepathy, tele- telepathy, telepathy, and stuff. Um, You're jet lagged. It's okay. Yeah. Which seems like a crazy. It seems like a crazy idea, but Brian K. Vaughn puts those crazy ideas into 
what looks like a 13-year-old girl wearing, like, a cool T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, well, half of a girl. Like, her intestines are hanging out. Yeah. You know, the bottom of her. Um, but he has he has a really interesting way, and I think She Isabel, reminded me a bit of Molly Hayes from yeah, Runaways. Yeah, from Runaways. Uh, Isabel is kind of the embodiment of Brian K. Vaughn's ability to, to, to take crazy ideas and make them very relatable. Yeah. And explain them in a way that is very accessible because uh, yeah, when you go over this, all these plot points, the story sounds insane. But when you're reading it, it all flows. It all builds. It all builds on itself. And speaking of like crazy ideas like that, one of the uh, one of my favorite ideas for a character in these stories is uh, Prince Robot the Fourth. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, which is a character that has basically a television for a head. Which I so I want to ask you guys this: when images flash on his on on Prince Robot's face. What are those the embodiment of to you? What do you think? Like, uh, is it what's going through his head? Um, it's a, sorry, it's a, good, it's a good question. I kind of feel like they're almost like, um, they're not necessarily thoughts, because it's not like you see literally everything that he's thinking. Right. But I yeah. feel like they're kind of like, almost like, you know, brainstorms, if that makes any sense, or like uh, eureka moments, or yeah. good or bad, you know, like yeah. kind of like, thoughts that you can't necessarily avoid. Like, I feel like there are thoughts that you have that are um, the result of natural sort of like, I'm thinking about this now, and this oh, is yeah. the conclusion I have reached, and whatever. And then there's other things that are sort of like unavoidable, just like impulses or flashes of things, or like I said, like a eureka sort of like, boom, I'm, I'm now, my subconscious has delivered me this this answer. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, or, or my subconscious has delivered me this thing that I've been trying not to think about or, or, or whatever. Yeah, because the first time we meet him in issue one, he is, you know, doing it doggy style with his lover, uh, princess, I guess like princess robotress. I don't, we just know she's the princess. Yeah. Um, and he is having performance issues and you get this flash on his screen of a bloody horn on the grass and then he just is like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Uh, and what you find out is he has just done like a couple tours of duty in this great war mm-hmm. and has just come back. So I feel like that's definitely what DC's saying. That's, that seems to me what that is. It's like when you're having sex yeah. and then you get like a flash of like, a, like you know, like uh, bad news that you got sure. today or something. or just, Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or even or even a little bit farther ahead when uh, when the stock is reaching for something and they assume it's a weapon and he draws his own and you see a flash of a baby rattle on his monitor. Yeah. Which is that sort of his, his like decision, decision moment uh, of like that. That's what goes through his head the minute he decides to fire. Yeah. Cause he has a, he has a child coming and wants to be there for it is what yeah. I was in. in yeah, yeah. 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 And it's a really, int- like I don't even know where an idea to include something like that in this book would come from. That's such a great, deep idea like it's such an interesting thing that i've never seen done before yeah it's really cool and you know uh it's it's interesting and the reason i bring that up and dc i don't know if you know this but um the most recent issue of this book last month when it came out there was some controversy i, I did hear about this yes. yeah <laughs> and and the non-spoiler but the the thing that happens is prince robot is in a situation where for a panel on the very first page uh flashing across his face is a guy giving another guy a blowjob uh, and it's in the middle of a war. Yeah, which uh, which which is why which is why I'm just curious as to like what everyone thinks. This sort of uh, are there multiple facets of the thought process for Prince Robot that we don't yet know about? Yeah, 
Because I'm wondering, why is he thinking about that guy coming on another guy's face? Why? I don't know. What? Should I know? I don't know. I'm just going to be silent. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a Rorschach test. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's funny, that because uh, as soon as you said the word robot, Skype did that thing that it will sometimes do where somebody starts to sound like a robot. Yeah! <laughs> appropriate. Robot. Skype, Skype is listening uh, to us. Um, but... Um, <laughs> I I don't know what the you know like I I, I mean um, first of all I, I don't yeah and I I don't know I guess where an idea like that comes from I guess it comes from where where any idea comes from um, that one bucket out in Peoria yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, and as as far as I guess what it's been, you know I I don't like it, it just to me is kind of one of the really wonderful things about the the book that yeah. in lesser hands would just seem like really labored kind of almost just like and then it's weird and they got tvs for face you know what i mean like, <laughs> like, yeah. like when a kid when a little kid is telling a story a made-up story it's like and then that face was a tv and then <laughs> yeah. yeah was an alligator and whatever you know what i mean like but for whatever reason it all uh it all it all works it it's all very um you know, you really relate to these characters. I think it's because it, they're not just quirk. You know, they're, they're, yeah. under, they're underlying relatable emotions to every single one of the characters. They have a very um, identifiable uh, humanity to them. And, and you kind of know every character that we've met that we've really spent any significant portion of time with. We know what their inner life is. It's not yeah. we're not just um, this guy's bad, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I would cite the case of the, uh, the, the will, one of the, um, freelancers that's kind of like, you know, uh, exposes us to this whole world of, uh, of like basically like the star Wars bounty hunters. If they were all, um, you know, like they all have agents, they're all just kind yeah. of like, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're literally like, free, they're almost like if you've ever seen the TV show, uh, shipping wars, <laughs> like these people that are just out there on the road and sometimes they take gigs or they don't take gigs and they have like, they're aware, they're all aware of each other and they have these kind of like uh, petty rivalries and, and relationships and, and love affairs and stuff like that. And like you meet him in a way where you think, oh, he, okay, he's going to go after the, this couple that we're, we're following around. Okay, cool. And then it really almost immediately splits off and we're just in his own world uh with him and and learning all about him and and his 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 complicated uh his inner life and his cat that tells you whether or not somebody's lying or not oh lying cat is maybe one of my favorite comic book character creations of the last five years i love that um the weird thing about the will one one weird thing about the will is that he apparently was in some sort of relationship with the stock yeah uh, because when he finds out that, that the stalk is after them, he's like, oh, well, you know, fuck that. Like, she's obviously going to get them. I'm just going to take this money and go to Sextillion and just spend it on whores. But then I'm like, what was their relationship like? Because she's an armless humanoid upper half with a crazy eight-legged spider arm bottom half. I mean, I don't know, not to, like, well, judge hey. people's sexual uh, adventurousness. But we never even get to find out what... Oof. The will is into whenever he gets to Sextillion. So who knows? Maybe there is right. like an entire uh, yeah. like floor of spider women 
<laughs> that we just don't get yeah. to because we run into we run into something that he is morally opposed to. Yeah, and we've also seen two human bodied TV people having sex. Yeah, like yeah. In the third panel of the comic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I draw yeah. the line. I draw the line at spider fucking. Okay. Uh, I am a spider cyst. I'm a spider phobe. Um, when when he's on Sextillion and he discovers the six year old what they call like slave girl who will just do whatever you want, which is disgusting. He kills the pimp. And on that page, after the pimp's body falls to the floor, when the body hits the floor, if you will, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, he, there's this this close up of the Will's face with blood splattered over, and it just says, like every freelancer, I had the misfortune to eventually meet. He was a fucking monster. Is the narration of yeah. Hazel the baby uh, relating the story back as an older person? Uh, and it's it's that juxtaposition is crazy because you've just seen him. Murder someone to save a in this you know presumably innocent six year old girl yeah uh, but that is juxtaposed with the knowledge that he's still going to do something that from our protagonist's point of view is going to be fucking monstrous yeah and so it's like that those are the things that are the real uh, uh, the real teases I feel like they're not when is Alana going to find out who Gwendolyn is the real tease is like when is the and when is the will going to do something so monstrous that yeah it. it makes a guy who we've seen be kind of noble out to be a horrible person like that's interesting and what's yeah the, yeah what <clears throat> sorry go ahead uh well i was just gonna say like what what's to say too that this is not this this is the path that leads him into being the monster <clears throat> oh wow right whoa right because he now yeah he, he he owes a bunch of money or he wants to buy this girl out of out of slavery um but i also think it's interesting too because for as much as Vaughn is like paying things off as soon as he they sort of come up there's also through the narration just tons of allusions to like eventually this is going to happen and 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 in general in ways both general and specific and um I think it's really bold I think as a storyteller to be calling that many shots you know what I mean like especially and when you're telling a story in such a you know a serial way And, and one of the things that's fascinating to me about about comics um, I've never, you know, written one besides, uh, one that me and my friend did in fourth grade for one, uh, issue during spelling class, um, <laughs> uh, is that the idea that you are, you know, even more so than TV where you sort of finish a season and then it airs. And then if you're lucky, you get another season, you're sort of putting these things out here with enough lead time to actually be hearing what people thought about just this last beat of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really, uh, super interesting to me. And, and also just super cool, interesting, uh, also like, you know, sort of sends up, I guess a few red flags for me as a, as a consumer that, you know, has been burned by things like lost in the past where, uh, where you're sort of, um, alluding to things that are gonna happen or, you know, and, and you're, you know, I, I, will be sticking with this book. I really enjoy it. And I, I think it's going to pay off, but like, even when, um, like in, I want to say issue six, when they board the, the wooden, uh, rocket yeah. ship, which is so super duper cool. Yeah. Um, on like 90 <laughs> different levels. It's kind of this like hybrid of like, um, you know, something out of high fantasy in terms of being this sort of gnarled magical, like Led Zeppelin album cover, like, yeah. uh, object, uh, meets kind of E.T.'s spaceship because it has all this like 
cool organic life in it, even though it's a rocket ship. And then also if you're like a, a Ray Bradbury fan, like rocket ships are very sort of specific and important mode of, uh, of space travel, yeah. which, uh, as, uh, I can't remember the girl's name, the, the ghost girl says, uh, it's a rocket ship. Like you don't, you don't steer it. It just goes, yeah. uh, <laughs> is, uh, it, it is really, uh, cool. Oh, but what I was going to say was Hazel, the, the narrator, the baby, um, which sounds silly, uh, reader, if you haven't, a listener, if you haven't read it, it's not like the Allie McBeal baby popping up in the bottom of every panel. Yeah, there's no it's dancing really, baby. It's really well done. No, uh, but, um, she says like, this is where I would spend most of my childhood. You yeah. know what I mean? And even, even just that element of it, I was like, oh, well, I guess we're going to spend a lot of time here in this, in this little rocket ship, which, yeah. I, which is great. Cause I like the rocket ship. But then also I was just sort of astounded by Vaughn's, um, willingness to just commit to that if that yeah. makes any sense yeah yeah because then if, if we see her not spend most of her childhood in that rocket ship i'm gonna be like what the fuck yeah <laughs> yeah seriously yeah. <laughs> hold him accountable um we haven't really talked we've talked a little bit about like fiona staples art but i feel like the reason this comic is so successful is definitely because of her artwork. Like, I mean, it's it's at least it's tied up in there. Like, the two of them work oh, so well together. Oh, definitely a huge that, proponent. Yeah, that like her artwork, uh, the acting that she's able to convey on the faces yeah. is just phenomenal. Um, I'm thinking, and of, even her storytelling from panel to panel, like she picks she picks the best moments to to draw and flesh out from the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I read it on um, on the uh, Comicsology app on my on my uh, iPad, and it, it was like, which I haven't really used uh, before. But it, it so it has this option where it's like you can kind of instead of seeing the whole page, it kind of takes you from panel to panel yeah. or, or word bubble to word bubble or whatever. And I started doing it that way, and it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I was like, no, I want to see the whole page because one of the really tantalizing things to me about comics is the way a given page is laid out yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? like there's there's such a great art form to taking the whole page in and then like breaking it down into little panels and whatever and 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 she really uh killed it in that way and there were lots of moments where i even wished i was reading it in you know actual paper form to get the full effect of like i would say like in the maybe i want to say issue number two there's a moment, or maybe it might even be one. I think maybe it's one uh, where um, Alana and what's his nuts, uh, the horn guy, are, yeah. Marco, <laughs> Marco, what's his Marco, horn guy, full Marco. name, uh, uh, <laughs> are, uh, are you know, they're they come over this ridge to see this just you know crazy war oh, yeah. scenario just on the other side of this hill, and it's so great, and you just know that if you were seeing it on paper, that it would probably you know, take up two full pages. Oh yeah. It's huge. like a huge. Brett's looking at it right now and it literally does. It's yeah. gorgeous. Exactly. Um, and so I, I almost wished because when you do that on your iPad, it's like, Oh, it's just this little rectangle. Yeah. And yeah. I tried to flip it over to get the full effect. But like, it, it isn't really in, in like in the future, I'll probably read this book in, you know, yeah, in like, comic book form because yeah. it, it, it really, I feel like deserves uh, to be. Yeah, and it was yeah. interesting, too, because I will say, when I started it, and I feel like even when I picked it up the first time, just to look through it, um, you know, several months ago, uh, I found the, it, it, it first, I found the, uh, the artwork a little, like, off-puttingly, like, cheap-looking at first. It, yeah. it was very kind of, like, digital, very clearly, like, done a lot on a computer and whatever. Yeah. And then I feel like even just halfway through the first 
issue, it all kind of came together for me and I really appreciated it for what it was. And then as you go on, like there's just nothing cheap looking about it, but there was yeah. just something about the vocabulary, I think of, of just whatever medium that she's like drawing in that at first, especially coming from what I've been, you know, reading recently, um, that, that was very different to me. But like once I sort of got on board with it, I was like, Oh yeah, this is fucking great. I love this. Yeah. Um, she, um, and she does the color art for it as well. Like she draws it all digitally and also does the color art, which is incredibly impressive to handle all of the art duties on one book. Yeah, in the back of one of the issues, she actually goes through and takes you through like her drawing process. Oh, cool. um, and she points out a, she points out something that I did notice initially was that the only um, essentially everything in the book is kind of watercolory, except for the figures. And the figures is where you get like the rigid black like sketch lines. Yeah, um, sure. So if you look at the backgrounds of every page, it's like these. Kind of gorgeously rendered, um, you know, like paintings almost, like digital yeah. paintings. And on, the, on top of that, you get these like really visceral uh, line-based drawings that are just, you know, great. And I love, and her palette is also amazing. Uh, oh, her color choices are, are, are great, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I feel like it has a very specific, um, like... Like I guess the word that I uh, the words the kind of words that I keep wanting to use to like reference the the book are like kind of I guess like light or like um, you know very uh, loose I guess in a good yeah. way you know it's not too yeah. like heavy or or self important it's very kind of like fun and and vibrant in a non self conscious this is a comic book kind of yeah. way you know there's yeah. a lot of pinks and yellows and blues exactly yeah. totally yeah and when you think of like Star Trek and Star Wars especially Star Wars especially you hit like, the color palettes were like black, gray, and white for the Empire, and then like brown and tan and orange mm-hmm. for the Rebels. Like they're mm-hmm. both kind of muted palettes. And a lot of sci-fi has that. Like I mean, Battlestar Galactica is not the most pleasing of color palettes either. Uh, so you get this, and you get a character who is literally pink. Like she is just yeah. glowing pink. Well, what's interesting too is all of the color choices are um, are, are color blocked. Basically, um, there, there, there aren't a lot of, like, muddy colors that sort of bleed into each other, which in something like Battlestar Galactica, when everything is gray, yeah. or everything's black, or everything's a very similar color, it all sorts to ble- sort of starts to bleed together. All of this is very distinctly color-blocked. There are no, like... How am I trying to say this? Uh, like, all of the choices and all of the colors feel very deliberate. Like, Marco's shirt is always... Like very deliberately one color, yeah. and and it's uh, it's all sort of, and I don't mean this in a bad way, flat. Yeah, it's flat uh, to help differentiate all of the colors from one another. Like there, she's not trying to do too much texture. Yeah, work with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I think having that sort of color palette there and those sort of flat colors. Um, you know, it also plays into the medium. I feel like a lot of times, a lot of comics colorists try to do too much texture like they try they forget that they're making a comic book and not a film yeah totally and i I think that they also like um yeah you end up with i I mean i don't know how you guys read comics but i and I, i end up this reading fiction this way too like i just look for the parts where people are talking and yeah. I, that's what I read. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so I feel like this is a book that really is kind to the reader and also kind to the writer in, like, the way it looks. Like, it's very 
dynamic and, and fun. And if you want to linger and look at a panel for a long time, which a lot of times you do because it's great, like it, it, it allows for that, but it also isn't like punishingly um, ornate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is kind of in keeping with the entire with how the entire book is. You know, it, 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 it isn't uh, it isn't all of that. It's just very like easy on the eyes, easy on the reader, like uh, actually pulls you into this world by virtue of not having to like feel like it has to set the entire table for you. Yeah, there aren't a lot of info. There's only one info dump and it's maybe like a page in issue one where they just say like the names of all the planets and that there's a war going on. Yeah. Right, but, but also yeah. the fact that they do it via this new narrator. Yeah. The, 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 how that wins is by sort of introducing you to the idea of this person, this baby, narrating the story, while also, you know what I mean? Like it's doing two things at once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the narrator has like an attitude. It isn't just like. Bleh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's a character I can't wait to meet. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I wonder if we're gonna get like a. I wonder if we're going to get, like, a Desperate Housewives-style, like, five-year jump in the future. Did you guys watch Desperate Housewives when they did that? No. <laughs> no. So I'm the only weirdo. Uh, but I wonder if at some point, like, Brian K. Vaughn's going to be, like, you know, ten years later or something. Or if we're actually going to get to see them... Progress. Like, yeah, like, grow up. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's interesting. Um, so, uh, DC, are you going to be sticking... Are you going to, like, check out the next six issues? Because I think that... Yeah, definitely. I mean, I really just enjoyed today you know sitting there and like popping them off one by one on my on my little ipad like they're they're just you know super uh it's it's really fun it's really exciting um you know and especially because it still feels like at this point like the world of it is still kind of expanding yeah Yeah. um but but not too rapidly or not just for the sake of being like there's a world here it's like we know there's a world here there's guys with tv heads and like seahorse agents living on a beach like every part of it feels like it could also be a weird lyric and like a psychedelic 60s uh rock yeah. song oh all, yeah yeah it's all gray slick like hazel and, is yeah the, is, is gray slick totally and like if you um and, and and it's it's you know when you're a kid i feel like for most of us that get into sci-fi and fantasy part of the thing that you like about it and, and part of the reason that you, if you get into it, if you get into creating stuff like that is you want that feeling of like the first thing that you ever saw that had a really big, crazy world in it, where it's like they go into the cantina and there's all these weird aliens. And what's that guy's deal? What's that guy's yeah. deal? You know? Yeah. Um, and this really does that in a very effortless way that isn't too concerned with like explaining what everybody's deal is. It's just like it trusts you to kind of, um, to keep up with it and uh and 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 i don't know it's great it gives you that that feeling yeah Yeah. and you know it's it's interesting too like we won't we won't spoil how issue six ends because it ends on a fun cliffhanger but what's interesting is afterwards in the to be continued column uh brian vaughn talks about the fact that he had an alternate ending planned if the book didn't sell well or if it just didn't do well yeah which um, which was that they would get to the rocket ship for us, they would get in the rocket ship, and it would explode on the launch pad, killing them all. <laughs> I don't know if I read him say that. Yeah, Jeez. it's... Yeah, yeah, it, it's... He said that that was the alternate ending at the end of issue six. If it didn't sell well, it would just be six issues, and they'd all die on the launch pad. Um, uh. well, how, do you feel, how do you feel about knowing that now, Brett? Well, that would have ruined, I don't know... 
That would have part of me. Part part of it seems like that is a well. Five guys, you didn't want to read this. Well, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you know, just, uh, I'm, just going, I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. Uh, but also part of, like, he had to have known it was going to sell. Like, Brian K. Vaughn gave the entire comics industry, like, Brian K. Vaughn blue balls for not, like, you Well, know. sure, but I don't think he's a guy with, like, a big enough ego to think that, like, nah, man, oh, he, everyone's waiting for BKV to come back down he's got off a of his... fleet of, of, uh, he's got a fleet of Lexuses. <laughs> he's, he's rolling deep with his posse. Brian K. Vaughn knows what Brian K. Vaughn is. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that that didn't happen. <laughs> Jeez. Agreed. That Agreed. You should put that on a t-shirt. Brian K. Vaughn knows what Brian K. Vaughn yeah. is. He knows what's up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed this book, DC. Uh, I, I really did, and, and thanks for asking me to read it. It was one of the more fun uh, podcast homeworks I've ever, I've ever had to do. Yay! Awesome. Uh, I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, where can people uh, find your presence on the onlines? Or uh... Uh, people uh, can find me. I'm, I'm. They should follow me at, on Twitter at twitter.com/dcpearson. Uh, they should buy my book, uh, which is a, a comedic fantasy adventure that I, I feel like people who are interested in in comics or comedy or science fiction or fantasy would 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 really enjoy. It's called. Uh, Crap Kingdom. It is a, a young adult novel. It is uh, hopefully the the first of a series. Although if everyone ends up blowing up on the runway at the end, so to speak, it, it is also its own self contained thing. So <laughs> don't feel like you'll be reading it and then suddenly committed to having to read seven more things. Mostly because those seven more things don't exist yet. So <laughs> it's just itself. So enjoy that. Um, but and, seven uh, more things from DC is, is a good. Thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to say seven more things from DC Pearson is is a very good thing. Uh, that would be no, that would be great. I, w- I would like it. But as as of, as for now, as far as that series goes, it's not a series. It's just that one book. Um, and uh, you can find out how to order it at crackkingdom.com. And uh, I'm also blogging at uh, fairly infrequently at dcpearson.tumblr.com. And, uh, and yeah, and uh, Crap Kingdom is in your local bookstore. It's on iTunes. It's on the iPad. It's, I, I, I read the audiobook on, on Audible. It's Ooh. on Kindle. Basically, anywhere fine books are, are sold or uh, sold for download or anything like that. Uh, also, it's available as, like, an inhalable nano spice. Nice. Uh, yeah. You can just inhale it, and it goes right into your brain, and you know the whole story, and that's great. That is, uh, that one is nine hundred ninety-nine million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's only it's worth it. Prototype. It's only available in the dunes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, If you're interested in purchasing Saga or DC's new book Craft Kingdom, please visit. You can also visit mattandbrettlovecomics.com, where we will have links to all of this stuff that you guys should buy. Uh, any purchase that you make on there will kick a little bit of money back to us because Amazon likes sponsor. What is the deal there? I don't even like Amazon likes people to share Amazon links. so They give people that host the links money. Yes. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's uh, the deal. You, you asked what the deal was and then you answered it yourself. It just seems too good to be true is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, and while you're at mattandbrettlovecomics.com, you can check out our back issues, such as the time that we spoke with comic book writer Chris Robertson talking about iZombie issue one through six and the uh, back issue where we spoke with comic book artist and superior Spider-Man artist Ryan Stegman uh, about Daniel Clow's The Death Ray. Yeah, we also love hearing from you guys, our listeners, so please tell us what you think about this or any other past episode on our website or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash they 
love comics. You can find links to all of our social media presence under the Who Loves Comics tab on our website. And please, if you fancy what you've heard here today, please rate and review the show in iTunes. The notes actually <laughs> say, Brett, read this in a chimney sweep voice. Yeah, no. Uh, most, <laughs> most importantly, you are our best spokesman. So if you're at the shop and you're talking to a friend about comics, you think they might be interested in the show, please pass them some info about us. Yes, and as always, thanks to our lovely producer, Benjamin Regeeb, who really likes Star Trek a lot. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are the tricorder on our research mission to this unknown planet. Yeah, and thanks again to DC Pearson. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, and please check out Crap Kingdom, Times a Million. Check it out a million times. Yeah, check it out. It's a great book. Buy it every time. Yes. Buy it every time you check it out. Yeah. One million times. (laughs) And until next time... This is Matt. And this is Brett. And we... We love comics. We love comics. I didn't wait for you. Nope. No waiting. (laughs) Yeah. Don't tease it out. What? What?